Asia Tech Podcast. 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 Let's talk about fear because fear is something that every entrepreneur feels. Even the most successful entrepreneur feels fear. The difference between a successful entrepreneur and everybody else is how they deal with fear. They don't try to avoid fear. They simply learn how to contain it and to dance with it, so to speak. I want to tell you a story. When I was 17 years old, this is a long time ago now, 17 years old, I remember falling asleep on the sofa of my parents' home. Um, it was the middle of winter, November, and I woke up and the TV was on. And these were the days when a family used to gather around the TV and watch the TV in the evening. And I remember these scenes very vividly on the TV. I saw scenes of people, ordinary people with hammers and pickaxes all kinds of instruments bashing down a stone brick wall and knocking holes in this wall and then pulling this wall down and then people cheering and jumping on the wall. And it was the most amazing sight because this was the Berlin Wall falling in 1989 in November. And thinking at the time, this is just the most amazing thing. This is like the end of 50 years of fear. This is the end of all this kind of, you know, cold war that I've been brought up thinking about where, you know, if you think back to then, we lived in a time when the threat of a nuclear strike was real. You know, there were programs and stuff on TV about what to do in the event of a nuclear strike. We lived with that fear. And, you know, that Berlin Wall was around for the best part of 30, 40 years. And, you know, thousands of people died trying to cross the wall or trying to get over the wall or whatever. And very few people actually got across compared to, you know, how many people attempted. But in one night, the whole thing fell. Not because something had changed, the wall hadn't become easier to cross or whatever, but because they had changed. You know, the Berliners, the East Germans, the people who lived on the dark side of the wall, suddenly stopped believing in the story of the wall because the wall was like the defining point of the story of the separation between east and west and they believed in it it kept the west out of the east and protected the east and so on but they stopped believing in one night for a whole you know series of historical events that happened leading up to that in one night the whole thing changed and tens of thousands of people just stormed the wall and crossed it and the guards who until that point had been shooting at them simply stopped and let them cross. You know, there's nothing they can do. They were powerless. And then you had these amazing scenes of East Germans coming across to Germany, you know, walking across, driving across in their Travants, whatever, and coming across and hugs and people crying and people handing each other flowers. And it was just the most, most amazing outburst of, you know, love between human beings and, you know, real compassion Something we very rarely see, especially in this day and age. And that's why stories are so powerful. You know, they say, if you've ever been to Asia, one of the things you may see is uh, a working elephant. So you rarely see a wild elephant in Asia. I don't think there are any. But, you know, there are a lot of working elephants. So elephants are put to work and they, they will carry logs and they'll do kind of construction work. And then you've got the elephants that work for tourism and so on. And, you know, you look at this elephant, which is like 8 to 12 tons, and it can bulldoze a wall, it can crush a man. And 
it's probably one of the most docile things. And why? Why is this elephant doing this work? It's not a stupid animal. It's not a sort of a grass grazer like a, a cow or something. It has intelligence, you know, on the par with the most intelligent mammals. So why is this elephant subjected to this kind of work? Why does it do it? And they say when they take an elephant as a baby, what they do is they take this baby elephant and they take it away from its mother. And what they do is they chain this baby elephant up. So it doesn't have a mom or anything. And it's on its own. They chain this elephant up and they tie it to a stick, a stake in the ground. And what they then do is they train this baby elephant. So when the baby elephant tries to pull the, the, the rope and escape, you know, strangled around its neck, trying to release itself, what the mahuts do is they take sticks and they beat the elephant. So every time the elephant tries to escape, they keep beating it and beating it. And as a young elephant, it, it takes a while to learn. But eventually what happens is, is the elephant gives up. And what happens then is as the elephant grows up, it grows from being, you know, a few hundred kilos to several thousand kilos. And, but still they have this chain around its neck and they tie it to a stake in the ground. And this full grown 12 ton elephant, even though it could easily rip out this stake in the ground, won't bother because it's learned through fear not to pull, not to try and escape. And that's the power of the story. You know, people will tunnel under walls, they'll climb over walls, they'll, they'll find ways through the cracks, but a story once believed will imprison you forever. And fear is a story that we too tell ourselves. And you see this because, you know, one of the things that I do is I mentor entrepreneurs. And one of the things that entrepreneurs tell me on, on a regular basis is that they have this fear about making mistakes. They don't often say fear outright, but they'll say a number of things like, you know, I'm worried about money. I'm worried about what my family think. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And this is some kind of fear. And in almost all cases, this fear has come from other people. Because if you're an entrepreneur, by design, you have this ability to deal with fear, not to get rid of it, but to kind of dance with the fear, if you like. But maybe when you're starting out, you haven't learned how to do that. It's kind of like the baby elephant. You've kind of been chained down by all these stories about comfort and security and whatever it is. But that's what we're kind of brought up to believe. You know, people aren't beating us with sticks, but they're sort of plying us with these stories about what we should be in our lives. And it's especially hard if you're young. And I have to say, it's especially hard if you're female as well, because you know, it's a lot easier for men as entrepreneurs growing up. You know, we are encouraged to play with Lego bricks. We're encouraged to play with, you know, sticks in the yard. But, you know, when girls play with sticks, you know, it's kind of, I'll oh, put that down. You might take your eye out or that kind of thing. So even at a young age, women are groomed to be less entrepreneurial and to follow those instincts a lot less i'm not that's a generalization but i'm talking about women generally rather than individuals and that's why recently i interviewed five inspiring asian female entrepreneurs on founder fm there's shilpa sharma the founder of jaypour i chingo founder of pictochart oli halimatusadia founder of nulis buku rena neo she's a vc partner 
at Mercatus Capital, uh, Anita Wing Lee, founder of Solfam. And what's really interesting about all of their stories is this, is that, you know, in each of these stories, there is a real sense of overcoming that, you know, they've been uh, brought up with these stories about what they should be, how they should, you know, follow their career paths. And entrepreneurialism isn't necessarily part of that. So for them to then decide that this is what they're going to do, it's a real story of overcoming, and it's really inspiring. You know, I'm neither Asian nor female, as you can guess, but I find their struggle against the resistance, their overcoming of fear, is something that all of us entrepreneurs can relate to. Um, no matter what our creed, you know, that is the story that we all face, this struggle with fear. Every day as an entrepreneur is a struggle and that is a struggle between fear and love. It's fear, you know, fear can take over your and dominate your narrative in the sense that, you know, it holds you back and it can come in ways. It's not necessarily people beating us, us with sticks, but it could be comfort. You know, it could be sort of, you know, this is a comfortable life and so on. But it's still fear. It's still fear of making a mistake because comfort is really the opposite of freedom because Comfort gives you a sort of a sense of numbness rather than exposure to the highs and lows of what it means to go out and start your own business and become an entrepreneur. And that's why it's important to listen to the right stories, because when you listen to these stories like the five female Asian entrepreneurs, you can change the stories in your head. Now you no longer believe in the wall or the stick. You start believing in what's possible. I want to tell you the story of Roger Bannister, who was famously the first guy in history to run under four minutes for the mile. So everybody before Roger Bannister, all the experts, all the sports scientists, all the ex-pros would say that it's impossible for a human being to run under four minutes. You know, there was some kind of like physical barrier. There was some kind of you know, issues with the physiology that, that if they tried to run under four minutes, they would have heart problems and so on. So everybody was saying that it was more or less impossible for an athlete, even at the peak of his game back then in the 1950s, to run under four minutes. But he did exactly that. Roger Bannister crossed the finish line with a time of three minutes, 59.4 seconds. It's only 0.6 seconds, but that was enough to break through the psychological barrier. Because you know what happened after that? For, for 50 years, people were saying you can't run under the four-minute mile. And in one year, Rogers Bannister ran under the four-minute mile by 0.6 seconds. John Landy, his biggest rival, and considered one of the greatest of the era, had never got close to that four minutes. And within 46 days of Bannister breaking through the four-minute mile, Landy also surpassed the record with three minutes, 57.9. So what had happened in his head is he had also stopped believing in the stories of, you know, what was impossible and started believing in the stories of what was possible. And then the two raced together later on in the year and Bannister won three minutes, 58.8. And the interesting thing is in the 50 years before the four-minute mile, nobody had run under four minutes. But when Roger Branster crossed that mark, 
By the end of that year, 1957, 16 runners had logged a sub four minute mile. You know, how amazing is that? It just goes to show the power of story. So my point is about fear. It's all about who or what you listen to. If you listen to the TV or read the papers, you will become overwhelmed by fear, even though maybe you think you're pretty resistant to this stuff. But ultimately, you know, human beings, we absorb uh, messages. That's why advertising is so powerful is even though we look at it and think, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to buy that. It really does influence our opinion because that constant reinforcement of imagery and messages works on our subconscious brain, even though our conscious brain might not be aware of it and or may not be able to do anything about it. So if you listen to the stories of people who have done what you are trying to achieve, if you make the effort to get close to them, to connect, to help, to be of value, to learn, like the Berlin Wall, what may have been holding you back for weeks, months, or a lifetime could fall in a day. Recently, I held a webinar called How to Start a Business Even When Your Friends and Family Say No, and What's interesting is most entrepreneurs face resistance from people around them. You can't change your friends and family in many cases, but you can change your points of reference. So my advice would be about fear is start changing your points of reference. Join a group of entrepreneurs like the UpSchool Mastermind, for example. Go to meetups. Start your own meetup. Go work for a startup. You know, go mentor for under an entrepreneur. It's a great way to learn. Offer your skills for free in return for teaching. You know, that's real hands-on experience. There's so many options are possible. If you're interested in finding out that webinar, about that webinar, sorry, go to upschool.io slash webinars. That's upschool.io slash webinars. And if you're interested in finding out about the mastermind, upschool.io slash mastermind. You know, in summary, the only real cure to fear is action. You can't cure fear by reading about it. You can't cure fear by, you know, studying it. What you can do is take action. And that action means to change the stories which you are exposed to. And the best action you can take is to move forward. So do something about it. So if something's holding you back, say to yourself, what can you do about it right now? What can you change You can't get rid of that fear, but you can change your reference points about what it is you should be or, you know, how you should behave. And once you expose yourself to these people, you know, what happens is a little bit of that rubs off on you. If you surround yourself, whether physically or by listening to their stories of people who go out and do shit and get stuff done, you don't have to trigger anything or change your way of thinking or whatever. Naturally, as human beings we will become more like that because we are imitation and mimic machines. We're very good at doing that, right? So that's my advice. The only real cure to fear is action. And the best action you can take is to move forward. So hopefully that was useful. That's the thing about fear. And as I said, it can change in an instant, just like the Berlin Wall. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. 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 Podcast.